A San Francisco jury awards the city of Modesto $18 million for perchloroethylene remediation and a plaintiff expert in the Zyprexa MDL is disqualified for being, quote, shockingly careless, unquote. These and other stories make up this edition of the LexisNexis Product Liability and Tort Law Center podcast. The LexisNexis Torts Law Center podcast, a summary of recent litigation news involving toxic torts and products liability from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. A California jury on May 18th awarded the city of Modesto, California $320,000 to investigate and $18 million to clean up perchloroethylene contamination from dry cleaning operations in the second phase of a decade-old litigation against the manufacturers of dry cleaning fluids and machines. The San Francisco jury deliberated for a month at the conclusion of the trial, which began in September. Modesto alleged pollution liability claims against Dow Chemical Company, Goss Jewett Company of Northern California, PPG Industries, and R.R. Street and Company. The jury said the evidence supports the conclusion that Dow, R.R. Street, and PPG failed to warn of the potential risks of perchloroethylene dry cleaning fluids. R.R. Street and PPG were found not to be liable for failure to warn. The jury said dry cleaning fluids produced by Dow, R.R. Street, and PPG were defective by design as delivered to dry cleaning establishments. The jury said only R.R. Street proved that the benefits of the design of its product outweighed the risks. The jury said the city failed to show that Dow acted with malice, which forecloses the possibility of awarding punitive damages. The judge overseeing the Zyprexa multi-district litigation on May 12th disqualified one expert as, quote, shockingly careless, end of quote, with facts, but approved another without a hearing. Defendant Eli Lilly moved to disqualify plaintiff causation expert Dr. Stephen J. Hamburger. Senior U.S. Judge Jack Weinstein of the Eastern District of New York said that although Hamburger is qualified, his opinions on the direct effect of Zyprexa on insulin-producing cells, quote, rely on subjective methodology, a fast and loose application of his scientific theories to the facts, and conclusion-driven assessments of the issues of causation in the cases on which he is proposed to testify, close quote. The judge said Hamburger could not be allowed to testify because his opinions are neither based upon sufficient facts or data, nor are they the product of reliable principles and methods, and he had not applied the principles and methods reliably to the facts of the case. Judge Weinstein found Hamburger had been, quote, shockingly careless about the facts of the cases he proposed to opine about, unquote, and repeatedly and impermissibly stretched the truth to support findings of causality. He said, quote, the court cannot permit a major pharmaceutical litigation to become the subject of the kind of rubber stamp expert opinions that have so marred mass litigations, such as those involving asbestos and breast implants, close quote. Judge Weinstein said an evidentiary hearing or argument is not required on the admissibility of Paul Fitzgerald, an endocrinologist at the University of California at San Francisco, adding the submitted papers suffice and support this decision. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Emerging Drugs and Medical Devices Editor Tom Moylan. A 2007 advertisement in Rolling Stone magazine featuring Joe Camel violated the Master Tobacco Settlement Agreement and a consent decree and deserved sanctions. That was the finding of a Pennsylvania Common Pleas Court judge on May 12th, who offered cigarette maker R.J. Reynolds a choice of paying a fine or taking corrective action. 
The attorneys general of eight states, including Pennsylvania, filed complaints or motions against R.J. Reynolds after the ad appeared in the November 15, 2007 issue of Rolling Stone. The ad was a four-page spread titled The Farm. It surrounded five pages of editorial content regarding indie rock music and promoted a website for RJR's camel brand targeting adult consumers. However, the attorneys general said, the editorial content has a cartoonish appearance that appeals to children. The attorneys general requested fines of $100 for each copy of the issue distributed within their respective state's borders, as well as $100 combined for each hit on the camel website. In addition, they called for removal of the images from all websites and promotions, and a penalty against RJR equaling the cost of the advertisement to be used for anti-smoking ads. The day after the suits were filed, RJR announced it had voluntarily stopped the promotion. RJR and Rolling Stone both said the tobacco company did not know the magazine's editorial content in the pullout would contain cartoon images. Nevertheless, the suits proceeded. Philadelphia County Common Pleas Court Judge William Manfredi found that RJR violated the Master Settlement Agreement and is in contempt of court for violating a 1997 consent decree in which it agreed to discontinue using the Joe Camel character. Judge Manfredi offered the company a choice of paying a $302,000 coercive sanction or running a full-page anti-smoking ad in a Rolling Stone edition that circulates in Pennsylvania. He rejected the company's arguments that the images in the ad are not cartoons, and that the pages that do contain cartoons are in fact Rolling Stone editorial content, unconnected to the ad, and not RJR's responsibility. Judge Manfredi imposed compensatory damages equal to the cost of a full-page, youth-oriented, anti-smoking advertisement, which he directed to be run in all copies of a single issue of Rolling Stone circulated in Pennsylvania within one year of the decision. The judge said publication within a year would purge the sanction. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Tobacco Litigation Report Editor, Jerry Maddox. A leading importer of electronic cigarettes has filed a complaint and motion for temporary restraining order in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia against the Food and Drug Administration. The complaint is an attempt to bar the agency from what the company says is unauthorized regulation of the functional equivalent of regular tobacco products. Smoking Everywhere Incorporated imports and distributes electronic cigarettes, or e-cigarettes, which it says allow customers to inhale nicotine vapor without any of the tar, cancerous byproducts, smell, ash, or flame associated with regular cigarettes. It is suing the FDA and its parent agency, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, saying they have overstepped their authority by attempting to regulate e-cigarettes and ban their importation into the United States. According to Smoking Everywhere's three-count complaint, the FDA recently adopted a new policy that classifies e-cigarettes as a drug-device combination under the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. This classification contravenes the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in a 2000 case, which held that Congress did not intend that the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act grant the FDA jurisdiction to regulate cigarettes or tobacco products as nicotine delivery devices. Smoking Everywhere says the FDA has directed U.S. Customs and Border Protection field offices to bar entry of e-cigarettes into the country via an import alert terming the devices unapproved or misbranded drugs. It also says the FDA violated the Administrative Procedures Act 
by adding e-cigarettes to the alert without publishing its proposed action in the Federal Register or personally serving notice of the rulemaking proceedings on smoking everywhere, the company complains. A divided Wisconsin Supreme Court has denied the city of Milwaukee's petition for review of the defense verdict handed down in the city's public nuisance lawsuit against NL Industries, the former maker of lead paint and pigment. In a one-page order that gave no further explanation, the Supreme Court majority denied the city's request to be heard on its contention that a new trial was warranted because errors were committed regarding the admissibility of evidence. In November, a divided Court of Appeals panel affirmed the defense verdict in favor of NL Industries, ruling that a new trial was not warranted. The city of Milwaukee initially sued NL Industries under a public nuisance theory of recovery, contending that the presence of lead-based paint in the city's buildings made the defendants liable for injuries sustained from exposure to lead paint. A jury found in favor of NL, finding that although the presence of lead-based paint in and on private homes in the city constituted a public nuisance, NL Industries did not intentionally or negligently create that nuisance. The United States is seeking forfeiture of $30 million and 15 properties in Kentucky and Florida in the wake of guilty verdicts for two disbarred Kentucky plaintiff attorneys, stemming from allegations they defrauded former clients of as much as $94 million of a $200 million settlement over American Home Products diet drugs, Pondemon and Redux. The U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Kentucky had been seeking more than $94 million, but the jury in an April 7th special verdict form answered no to that amount and penciled in the $30 million figure. The jury also found three bank accounts to contain funds previously held by the Kentucky Fund for Healthy Living, an organization set up by defendants William Galleon and Shirley Cunningham, to also be proceeds of the criminal activity for which the two were convicted. Based on that, the government is seeking forfeiture of properties, including Hillcrest Farms, the defendant's thoroughbred breeding and training facility in Georgetown, Kentucky. Cunningham, however, argues in an April 17th brief that the jury intended the $30 million forfeiture to represent the entire amount. Cunningham says the United States did not ask the jury to make any determinations about property other than requesting a money judgment and asking for the determination regarding the Kentucky Fund for Healthy Living Accounts. Therefore, according to Cunningham, the jury's verdict is limited to those two things and not to any other property. The jury found the defendants guilty of all charges, one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and eight counts of wire fraud. Prosecutors, as well as 440 former clients in a successful civil suit, said the two kept approximately two-thirds of the settlement with American Home Products, now Wyeth, or approximately twice what they were due. Judge Danny Reeves reportedly revoked bail, identifying the defendants as flight risks. Four days after the recall of hydroxycut weight loss products because of serious liver injury and one death, a consumer class action was filed in Alabama federal court on May 4th. At the beginning of the month, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration warned consumers to stop using hydroxycut products because of serious liver injuries. Manufacturer Iovate Health Sciences of Oakville, Ontario, agreed to recall all hydroxycut products. The products are dietary supplements marketed for weight loss as fat burners, as energy enhancers, as low-carbohydrate diet aids, and for water loss under the Iovate and MuscleTech brand names. 
On May 4th, Amy Baker filed a complaint in the Northern District of Alabama seeking certification of a class of consumers who bought hydroxycut products. Baker alleges that the defendants falsely represented the benefits of hydroxycut products, such as weight loss, increased metabolism, and increased energy. A lawsuit filed in Indiana federal court alleges contamination from Brazilian refineries owned and operated by American corporations in the manufacture of chlorinated insecticides contaminated the ground, water, and air and increased the risk of cancer and other illness and injury. The dozens of plaintiffs accuse Eli Lilly, Dow AgroSciences, Dow Chemical, Shell Oil, American Cyanamid, and BASF Corporation of poisoning them since the 1970s. The plaintiffs allege that when the United States and other countries banned chlorinated insecticides in the 1970s because of the harm to the environment and risk to people, the defendants began manufacturing the insecticides in Brazil. The plaintiffs seek to recover under theories of negligence, gross negligence, strict liability, wrongful death, and violations of the Alien Tort Claims Act. The Second District California Court of Appeal on May 11th denied Crane Company's petition challenging what a judge referred to as a law firm's game of filing in Texas and then in California to take advantage of each state's rules. Helen and John Washington sued a number of companies in Texas, alleging their conduct caused John Washington's asbestos exposure and subsequent mesothelioma. They claim he was exposed to asbestos-containing gaskets during the time he was employed in boiler rooms at a Harbor City, California high school. After John Washington's deposition was taken, the Washingtons dismissed the Texas action and filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court. Defendant Cranco moved for summary judgment and to exclude Washington's deposition testimony. In April, a Superior Court judge reluctantly denied Cranco's motion. However, Judge Aurelio Munez said, quote, This court does not have the authority to summarily prohibit the use of otherwise admissible testimony, even if the court does not approve of the games, and they are games, that are being played, end quote. Judge Munez criticized the taking of deposition in Texas and then refiling in California as an intentional move. In its petition for writ of mandate, Cranco argued that the issue is widespread and increasingly important given the number of claims filed in California. The company said because it did not have the same opportunity at the deposition under Texas law that it would have under California law, the deposition should be inadmissible. Cranco pointed out that the deposition occurred before it had any chance to conduct discovery and before Washington provided any substantive information about the claim against it. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Asbestos Litigation Report Editor, Brian Redding. A personal injury lawsuit alleging claims against Chrysler Motors and its former CEO for exposure to radiation in automobiles traveling in excess of 65 miles per hour was dismissed in early May by the Eastern District of Pennsylvania as frivolous. Ted McCracken, who sued Chrysler Motors and former Chrysler CEO Thomas Lasorda, was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in May 2005. He claims he was exposed to gamma radiation generated and released by nuclear facilities around the country in the 40 years prior to his diagnosis. According to McCracken, Chrysler should have designed its cars to protect drivers and passengers in its vehicles from being exposed to dangerous levels of gamma radiation. The court said Pennsylvania law does not allow corporate officers to be held liable for alleged torts committed by the corporation just because of their office. The court also noted McCracken has filed 13 similar complaints over the years in several federal courts, 
against defendants including presidents of the United States, airlines, energy companies, and other automobile manufacturers. The complaints all allege the defendants exposed McCracken to radiation in the ambient air, thus causing his thyroid cancer. The court said at least six of these cases have been terminated by courts as either frivolous and malicious or for McCracken's failure to prosecute. Quote, based on a careful evaluation of the complaint filed in this case and related court filings from this and other districts, the court is convinced that the facts alleged rise well beyond unlikely to the level of fanciful, fantastic, and wholly incredible. The court cannot find a meritorious factual basis for this action, end of quote. The Lexus One Community, where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus Web Search Engine, free forums, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexus Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com you're listening to the LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast. If you'd like more details on these and other stories, visit LexisNexis.com slash or go to the LexisNexis community page at LexisNexis.com communities and click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, Total Practice Solutions. I'm Michael Lefkowitz. Thanks for listening.